0: Over the next few minutes, you're going to learn what to do if you have a 12-year-old and you haven't had the talk with them yet. And welcome back to Sitting in a Car. I'm Sarah Sproul, and I sit in a car with you each week answering a question to help you raise your confident and caring young person who respects themselves and the people around them. And I'm just going to rub off my little board here so that I can draw you a picture because the answer to this week's question comes from the sort of foundational pillars of the evolved Family Method. So I'm just gonna do a little picture here. For those of you who are listening, the picture um, has three little circles and they each represent one of the pillars of the Evolved Family Method, um, which is kindness, growth, and courage. And those three pillars sit on six foundational principles. Um, So we're gonna be talking about three of those foundational principles today, my three favorites. to ensure that you don't feel overwhelmed and you have something that you can work on practically for your home life, particularly if you have a 12-year-old. Now, if you have a question like this, you've got a 12-year-old or a situation like this, you have a 12-year-old and you might have had some chats about some things, but you haven't had the actual talk. And I'm putting my air quotes up around that because that would be generally a euphemistic way to say, haven't talked to them about intercourse. And I'm saying intercourse on purpose because most of the time um, when people think about sex and they're having the talk about sex, they're thinking about intercourse. So if um, you have this same issue at home, uh, you may be doing the following things because of it. So firstly, you may be Hoping for the best. I'm thinking, well, at some point this conversation will happen. Surely my child will ask me a question or something will come up on the TV, or maybe even school will do sexuality education and they'll hear it from school. So you might be thinking that. You may have a conversation with a parent that says, ah, oh, sure, look, um, we figured it out, didn't we, well enough when we were growing up, so our kids will figure it out too. Um, Or you may be really conscious about making sure this talk happens at exactly the right time in exactly the right way. And so you are constantly on the lookout for ways to make this conversation the best it can be. And all those actions make absolute sense because at the end of the day, we can only do what we know. And not all of us have information that allows us to talk about sensitive things in a way that feels comfortable and natural for us and easy and um, okay and not embarrassing for our child. So we're doing the best we can because we're running on programming from um, the world in which we live and how we were raised and so many of us have had experiences where Conversations like this were awkward, unpleasant, disconnecting, um, sort of of like left us with more questions than answers and um, gave us the sense that maybe conversations about sensitive things, particularly around sexuality, were not the right thing to do because it is like a top secret part of being human and a top secret part of bodies. Now, these descriptions of what could be happening in your house um, are part of what will show you that there is the courageous yet tongue-tied parent effect happening. So, hoping for the best, looking for the perfect time, hearing people say, ah, sure, we figured it out, our kid will figure it out too, are all indicators that the courageous tongue-tied parent effect is happening in your family. And um, I've learned that this effect can create feelings inside us of guilt um, and shame. Maybe we feel stupid that we're blaming ourselves for having a 12-year-old and never having sat down and had a conversation like that. Um, We have no idea how to be compassionate towards ourselves and gentle and kind um, and treat ourselves with respect around this part of parenting because it's super hard, right? And so those feelings around shame and guilt make absolute sense. A courageous, tongue-tied parent wants to do the absolute best for their child. Remember that. So you want to do the absolute best for your child and the skills and abilities and experiences you've had up to this point don't support that. So um, let's get into the three strategies and ideas that can address this situation you have at home. So you can go from um, being part of the courageous tongue-tied parenting effect over to knowing the steps to take to build and create an evolved, communicating, connected family. Step one, what would you say to a friend who felt stupid? Not necessarily about anything to do with sensitive conversations, but just felt stupid over something that happened. Maybe they had a dinner party and the food was absolutely terrible and they just feel incredibly ashamed. What would you say to a friend like that? You know, most of us are really compassionate and kind to someone we care for so much that is in a shame spiral. And so have a think about capturing what you would say to a friend, because that is one of the ways we can access our kind, compassionate self when we're directing it to someone else. You might write a letter to a friend and say things to them to help them feel like they're not on their own, that um, everyone makes mistakes, all those sort of lovely, warming, affirming, connecting statements. So I'll give you some examples. If a friend was in trouble after a failed dinner party, um, I might say something like, um, you didn't know. You couldn't have known that the beef was going to cook that quick and come out so so tough. Maybe something like, um, so many people have um, had failed (laughs) dinner parties. Um, I might tell a story about the time that I was invited over to someone's house for dinner and thank goodness it was a very dear friend. And I um, agreed that I would bring dessert and I chose to make something I hadn't made before, lemon meringue pie. The meringue was amazing. The pastry was passable. The lemon was like slop. And I didn't realize it till we cut it open and everything just went, no, so you're not on your own. So these statements of connection that you can make to yourself can sound like, um, I didn't know that um, it was going to take this long to feel comfortable to have this conversation or... There are so many other parents in this same position. And I'm telling you as a sex educator, there are so many other parents in this position. You are not on your own with this. Lots of parents get to a particular point in raising usually their eldest child before they realize like, oh no, if I'd known what I know now five or six years ago, this would be so much easier. So you're not on your own. Another thing you could say would be, um, um, I'm doing the best I can, right? You might have said that to a friend. Oh, that sounds hard, that dinner party. You did the best you can and oh, how difficult. Um, You might use feeling words like how embarrassing. Um, You must have felt like you wanted the floor to swallow you up. Descriptions of their emotion um, can really help calm that feeling down. So your feelings about not having had the talk and you have a 12-year-old could look like um, uh, you wish you could start over, you feel like you've failed your child, Um, you don't feel good enough, anything would be preferable to um, people finding out about the fact that this hasn't happened yet. Okay. And how does really turning toward our emotions about how we feel this stupidity, this shame can start to soften them. Point two, any time is a good time. Starting is better than never starting. So um, this can look like, okay, your kid is 12 and maybe you have heard an episode of sitting in a car which makes you realize that you could have had that conversation when they were four, five or six, but you didn't know that then and now you do. And so um, this reassuring sense of, wow, um, what other things in life have I discovered that I've started straight away because it was better to start sooner rather than later? It could be something you've discovered maybe about sugar in food or about um, the benefits of reading at home. Maybe you didn't have enough time when the kids were younger because work was different or you were juggling a lot of things or someone was chronically unwell but now they're not chronically unwell and you have a little bit more resource of time in your family. There are lots of things we actually do um, or put off because we don't have the resources or the support. Um, That could be facilitating a child's sport. I'll tell you right now. I have a teenager who would have loved to have started ballet when she was six now for whatever reason we couldn't make that happen and to be honest it was mainly because I thought ballet was ridiculous and I didn't agree with it and she told me the other day like mom I really wish I could have done ballet when I was young because now I'm how old she is just, you know, almost 18, and there's loss there about that. So it's sort of like, how can I sit with that emotion? Because she started ballet when she was 16, which meant she had a great time, but she will never have the same ability as if she'd started early. And that rests with me. But if I sort of sit in the disappointment in myself, then um, I'm distracted by the disappointment and I lose opportunities to connect with her about other parts of her life. So this thing about we start when we're able to, um, even if it's too late in our mind, um, it reminds us that we did get there eventually, right? And there needs to be a certain kindness and compassion, about the fact that we can't do everything perfectly in this world and absolutely not about parenting, right? So I am so with you on that feeling of, oh, if only I'd known earlier, I could have done such a much better job. And I'm sure there is every single parent listening to this episode of sitting in a car that can think of at least one thing they wish they'd known earlier in their parenting. We are not alone in that feeling of having ballsed it up just a little bit. None of us are on our own with that feeling. Point three, how can we model what learning as we go looks like? Oftentimes, children will um, feel embarrassed about the fact that they've um, made mistakes and maybe they'll hide The fact that they've made mistakes or had accidents like knocking something over or um, uh, failing a test at school, right? Because we might inadvertently have let in from the outside world, because this is part of the culture, most Western speaking cultures, that doing things perfectly or really good is better than failing at things. Failure is not really accepted as part of the normal everyday parts of being alive. But in this moment where you could say that you've made a mistake or you've failed in having the talk, though that's sort of not useful language, is an opportunity to model that we all do the best we can with what we know at the time. Even adults sometimes, or quite often actually in my case and maybe in your case too, Um, need to learn as we go along. So how would that look like claiming that part of I need to learn as I go along? In this instance, we can say something like, I learned something new today to our child. So I learned something new today. And I just want to let you know that it's easy to feel like we need to do things perfectly. And in a minute, I'm going to tell you something that I've discovered about myself that I haven't at all done perfectly. and In fact, I sort of made a mistake, right? And if you notice what's happening here, as I'm saying that, you might hear a little catch in my voice because it can be really hard to think about the things we haven't done well. Now, in an ideal world, all of us will have a friend that we can unpack this feeling of upset about what we haven't done well, so that we can go to my child and the emotion is sort of processed. Um, someone wonderful, Kate Kenfield, she's a sex educator, and she's responsible for creating the tea and empathy cards that I love so much that you might see sometimes that I post on my Instagram stories. She talks about how we have a responsibility to prepare our emotions for conversations with other people. And she uses potatoes as an analogy. So, If our emotions are potatoes, we have a responsibility for, you know, taking the potatoes out of the ground or out of the bag and washing off the mud so that we can see what sort of a potato they are. The analogy of this when it comes to feelings is that we have a responsibility with our feelings to take that to a safe place, probably a friend or a sister or a parent or um, a spouse or a co-parent, and really just wash off the mud of that feeling, get clear on what it's called, Um, find someone who can really hear that emotion in us so that our nervous system has some time to get comfortable with the fact that, oh yeah, this emotion has shown up and it's not easy, but um, how can we accept the emotion and use it to create connection with our child by modeling what not getting it right looks like. Right, so back to the, I learned something new today. There are so many times in life that we learn as we go. And sometimes we make, and um, sometimes a lot of times actually, we make mistakes, whether that's growing up or whether that's being an adult. And one of the things I discovered um, in the last few weeks that I've made a mistake about is talking about sensitive, embarrassing things, that I have had trouble doing that with you. And I'm so sorry about that. And um, I'm grateful to be able to let you know that um, that's happened. Maybe we can talk about it again another time, right? So you're not actually having a conversation about it, but you are highlighting that hard things happen and that's sort of the way things are and you're good with talking about hard things. So you've got three core principles from the Evolved Family Method to help you start unpacking this feeling of um, not having had the talk with your 12-year-old up to this point and the storm of emotions and judgments that might come along with that. It is unfair, though, to expect yourself to just finish this podcast episode um, and head off and have this conversation. There is um, There needs to be time and attention given to um, how it's impacted you and um, how you can prepare your emotions, like Kate Kenfield says, prepare the potatoes, um, to be able to bring this experience into your parenting. And it needs a certain amount of support to build these muscles, develop these habits. So. Um, At the moment, the Evolve School, the doors to the Evolve School are open and that does not happen very often. It's twice a year and inside the Evolve School is um, you get so many opportunities to hear other people talk about the complexity of this part of parenting, get um, advice and your questions answered about how to take the next right step for you and the child or children you're raising because everyone has a different next right step. Our children are different from each other. We are different from each other. We've all had different life experiences, right? So if you would like to um, get more information about the Evolve School and to see if it's going to be helpful to you to move forward in this part of your parenting head on over to the link that will be somewhere around this video or this podcast episode it's SarahSproul.com forward slash evolve and i would love to see you inside there so we can work together side by side to move forward to um, build more skills and more abilities to have confident conversations about sensitive stuff Inside your family in a way that builds deep and lasting connections with the children or child in your care. Bye for now. Trying to find a pen. Oh, there it is. Ah, oh, found a pen. Ah, uh, that. that